Hi guys, it's your girl Boonie. We're here for episode eight of the Boonie Breakdown podcast. I think eventually I'm going to retire numbering the episodes because I'm going to lose count and mess up one day. So maybe when we get to double digits, I'll stop. But we have a awesome guest with us today. Um, my friend, author Joy Marie McKenzie. She's here on the episode, so it's going to be a great interview. Just a few housekeeping things before we dive right into it. We need your help. I need your help. If you can just go to iTunes, if you listen on iTunes, rate the show, leave a great review. Only great ones, please. Thanks. I need them. If you listen on SoundCloud, you know, feel free to repost a podcast episode, like it, share it with some friends. And if you're a droid person and use that thing called Google Play, go ahead and do whatever you guys do on there. (laughs) Just joking. But if you guys could just really review and rate the podcast wherever you listen to it, that would be awesome. And it would help me out a great deal. One other cool thing. We have a giveaway this episode. So you have to listen to the entire episode with Joy Marie McKenzie in order to figure out how and what you're going to win. So, guys, without further ado, let's get ready to break it down. guys we're here at the boonie breakdown and today with me i have an old homie i've known her forever and i'm just so proud of her joy marie uh she just released her first book the engagement game you've probably seen me share it on instagram and on my snapchat but welcome joy thank you so much for having me how are you here I'm excited. I just, I'm such a huge fan. I've been a huge fan of yours since, you know, Ratchet Boonie Hour. So I'm excited (laughs) today. (laughs) Oh, you're a fan. Well, I'm a fan of yours. I'm just so proud of you. And my book is autographed, y'all. That's right. Mm -hmm, That's right. But if you want to win an autographed copy, of Joy's book. You have to listen to the entire podcast because at the end, I am going to tell you a way that you can win your own autographed copy. So you got to listen to the end though. Sorry guys. Yeah. Get excited guys. It's, it's amazing. So J- Joy, can you share with us the inspiration behind your story for your first book and why you chose to share this aspect of your life? So kind of yeah. like a synopsis. So yeah, I mean, yes. So the inspiration is I had no idea I was going to write this book, honestly. So it sort of came to me, I really sort of have been describing it as a calling, as sort of the thing that was like in my system that I needed to get out. And so I have been a journal, like a person who journals uh, since I was eight years old. And I've always kept a journal to sort of, um, you know, talk to myself and celebrate (laughs) you know, celebrate things about my life vent. And, um, and so I was frustrated in my five year relationship with this guy who I was in love with and just was not understanding why he wasn't proposing to me, you know, and everything was going well and we were getting along. We knew each other's families and it's like, okay, this is the next step. 
And so I go to my older sister and I ask her, like, what do I need to do to, to get this guy to propose to me? Because she had, you know, recently, you know, gotten married and was pregnant um, at the time. And she was like, well, why don't you try these sort of things? And so um, I felt like um, my journey to sort of getting the ring, which was really sort of crazy. Um, if you know, like Joan Clayton from Girlfriends, that was <laughs> like, I was, I was Joan. And so I just thought it was like a story that needed to be told because I wanted other women to feel like you're not alone. Like I felt legit crazy. And I knew that. So I do think that women, <laughs> <laughs> women drive themselves crazy in the search for the ring. Yeah, and I was there. You were there. So yeah. I feel like a lot of people, a few people that I've talked to who've read the book or in the process of the book, definitely said they've related to some part of your story. Nice. Nice. So that's a good thing. And I'm I'm just curious because in the book, when you read it, you talk about, um, what was it, the engagement chicken? Yes. Everyone loves, <laughs> everyone loves <laughs> chicken. Well, you know, um, it's so funny because all of my white friends, I mean, just to be perfectly honest, they have heard of engagement chicken, but a lot of my black friends haven't. So I'm sort of glad that I'm, you know, bridging this gap. But essentially, um, engagement chicken was this dish that my sister had suggested to me as sort of like a last resort. Like I had tried everything else. I had tried making a list of what I wanted in a husband. I had tried to sort of give him space and let him go out with his friends. I had tried dating myself. You know, these were all the suggestions she was telling me. And so the very last suggestion she told me to do was to cook engagement chicken. And it was essentially <laughs> this bird uh, <laughs> to sort of get this guy to propose to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to try anything because um, I had never heard of it. And it sounded stupid, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. And then I Google it like everybody does. And I look and I start reading the comments on this Glamour magazine article that I found that sort of broke down the recipe. And comment after comment were women saying, you know, wish me luck, ladies, I'm going to go cook the chicken or I just cooked the chicken and it worked, you know, and then, but I still wasn't convinced until I got to this one comment of this woman who said she was in a long distance relationship with her, with her boyfriend. And, you know, he had flew into town and she had cooked the chicken for him and they got into a huge fight and he left. Um, and then she said her neighbor came over to eat the leftovers and they like just got married and I was like oh my god <laughs> so she ended up marrying chicken. the neighbor yes and I was like oh you know what? I gotta cook this chicken um and you know, <laughs> have to read the book to find out how that went down because I'm a terrible cook but yeah I mean there's I mean it just goes to show you that there's so many urban myths um for women to sort of get engaged because you know we don't have the power so we're sort of left to do all these passive aggressive things or to get the ring. You're right. And it's like, I kind of laugh that you called it the engagement game because it is a game that we're playing the dating game, whether, you know, I think I'm still at that stage. I'm in the dating game, not at the engagement game. I haven't been there, but it's like all these games. And I was kind of reading the book and it made me think about that movie with Vivica Fox. What's the name of it? Um, play that game. You can play that game. <laughs> movie. It's one of my, it's like my top five. So that like is a huge compliment for me. Oh, that's what I thought about. Like these steps. And it's not like, okay, let me, let me, let me do a little PSA. This is not a how to oh, nope, not at all. Um, manual to get a ring. So let's make that clear. Right. It's a critique. So it's you a don't get any critique of 
Yes. You know, of marriage and the engagement process. I mean, essentially, I have a problem with the fact that, you know, we claim that relationships, and and I'm talking about like heteronormative, heterosexual relationships, because those are the ones that I know about. Um, So I'm talking from that place, right? And so, you know, in these types of relationships, uh, women, you know, women and men, we say that they're equal. We say that they're equitable. We say that both people have the power, but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to like the inception of the relationship of the marriage, the engagement process solely depends on when the man wants to propose. Like if I were to go to my home girls and be like, Hey, I'm proposing to my man. They'd be like, are you okay? Like, (laughs) like that's not socially acceptable. It's just not. And so I feel like if we're going to claim that relationships are equitable, then let's, let's, you know, let's let it be equitable from the very beginning. And so I hope that, you know, for my daughter's generation, it won't be a big deal if she were to be like, Hey, Hey babe, like I want to propose to you. Um, if, if we're saying that it's equal. If it's equal. And it's funny you say that because I think it was maybe Monday on black Twitter. Hey, black Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a conversation or some guy was like, you know, women, men make women earn you. And he was like tweeting out all these pictures of women proposing to men and the conversation surrounding that. Um, what were people saying? I'm curious. Like, yeah, it was kind of like, you know, hell no, why would I do this? It it was no favorable comments to a woman actually proposing to a man. Yeah, and I think that's what keeps us playing games because if you, let's just say I would be like, you know, I'm going to propose to my man tomorrow. They'd be like, oh, Joy's desperate. Joy's reaching. Yeah. Joy wants it too bad. And it's like, no, maybe not, but like... It's so interesting how we demonize women in a way that we don't demonize men who want the same exact thing. The right? same thing. So yeah. it's like if a man wants to marry his girl, he can do so and be fine. But if a girl wants to marry her guy, she's all of a sudden desperate or like she's whack or, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's weird to me. And, and I know that it's not going to change in my generation, but I do hope that like for my daughter... I can hopefully move the conversation forward so we can think about this, like as men and women together, like let's figure this out or just let's be real and be like, you know what? It's not equitable. We're not equal. Like, mm. Let's just keep it real. But <laughs> Call a thing a thing. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. Got it. So I'm going to get ready to play a clip from your audio book. So people who don't like to read books, <laughs> you can listen to it. It's also available on audio books. I'm going to play the clip right now. You're going to be my wife one day, you know that? Adam asked. A spark that felt like lightning ran down my back. Was this a proposal? I breathed in, out, in, out, in, out, trying to calm myself down just in case it was a proposal. What if he was proposing? No, he didn't seem nervous or fidgety. Aren't guys usually nervous when they propose? It wasn't a proposal. He wasn't down on one knee, but he was slouched over. I kept my eyes wide in case his hands went to his pockets. Adam and I were ringing in the New Year in a nightclub in Washington, D.C., our favorite city despite the fact that the New York area had held us hostage for the last four years. Adam was a lawyer and had passed the bar across the Hudson River in New Jersey, so he couldn't move unless he studied for the New York bar exam. And we weren't going through that again. At least not right now. 
Plus, I had finally settled into my job as an entertainment producer at a television network in New York City. Getting hard to come by celebrity interviews and breaking news on stories that mattered, like Justin Bieber's new haircut and Chris Brown's latest girlfriend, the stories of legend. So when I mentioned spending the new year in D.C., he didn't blink. I even convinced our best friends to book rooms in the same hotel just footsteps away from Georgetown University, where he went to law school. It would be nostalgic for him and a nice getaway for us. By 11.53 p.m., Adam and I were way past tipsy. Yeah, I slithered. A grin unable to contain itself appeared on my face. Yes, he said, finally finding his balance and standing up straight. We're going to get married and you're going to be my wife. I love you. Okay. He was standing up, so this was definitely not a proposal. It's not a proposal. Joy, <laughs> I just listened to this small clip of your book, and I'm like, you had a good voice for that. Like, I've never listened to an audiobook, but I felt like maybe I should because I didn't know really what to expect from listening to I mean, someone read their book to me. I've never listened to an audiobook either. I'm just going to keep it all the way 100. Um, but when I went to go in to record it, uh, I guess it was a couple of months ago, I had the best time. It was, it's just you in there by yourself um, with like one other audio producer. And I had an amazing audio producer, audio engineer named Charles. And he was amazing. Like he had recorded with like, you know, um, shoot, I'm going to figure her name. He had recorded with Erica Badu. Oh, you fancy child. Um, yes. And so he was telling me all these amazing stories and, and just we connected, we vibed. And um, it was great. It's, it's very intimate. I think that if you want a more intimate experience with the book, like the audio book is the way to go. Because I really yeah. sort of. You know, yeah, because in that clip, you felt it like you're like, shit, is he proposing <laughs> or not? <laughs> that was my whole relationship. <laughs> so I felt it. Yeah. And then my second thought was, mm-hmm. <laughs> what was the conversation like when you told Adam you were writing this book? Right. And so, and yeah, so Adam is sort of this, the name that I give my ex in the book. But yeah, I mean, he's a lawyer. And for people who have read the book, they know that. Um, and so I was very forthcoming <laughs> about the process. <laughs> Because I don't want to get sued, but also because, um, you know, the reality is I started writing this book when we were together. And so it was not supposed to be a sort of breakup book. It was supposed to be a book about the pressures of getting married um, that I that I really felt. And it was supposed to just be sort of this happy ending. Like, yes, I feel these pressures, but look at me going to get married. Mm. <laughs> but when we broke up, I was like, OK, now I have to write this part. So a lot of the book I was writing in real time um, because I sort of got my deal, you know, crazily, like just sort of like like lightning speed. And so the book, a lot of the book I wrote in real time. So, wow. Yeah. So I guess when I got the deal, he was probably the second person I called after my family. And because I wanted to give him that respect, because at the end of the day, although we didn't work out, I have a lot of respect for him. And so I called him and I said, hey, you want to go to dinner? Because I feel like I should tell you this face to face. And he's like, why? Because he knows. Like, we're not- <laughs> so he was like, why? Um, he's like, why do you have a book deal? And I was like, actually, I do. <laughs> it, was, it was actually really strange. 
Um, and so that conversation didn't go well. I think he hung up on me. But <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I understand. So then, like, I guess he called me back and we had a conversation about it. And I just sort of told him, like, you knew I was writing a book. I can't believe it's getting published. Like, I hope that you support me in this. And it took him a while. It took him a couple of months for him to come around to the idea. But we did eventually go to dinner. Um, and I sort of outlined the book for him. Um, and gotcha. Because I, I have been written about in books before and did not get a heads up. And I've been very mm-hmm. upset about that. So... For me, I understand how like scary it can be when you're writing about a person. And so I wanted to give, I wanted to ease his fears because at the end of the day, like we did not date for me to write a book about him. Um, And I recognize that and he could write a book about me, you know, let's say. And so I just want to show him that respect. And that was a stand up of you because that was my thought. Like, oh, my God, how did that conversation go? Yeah, It was I mean, it was rough because but I understand. I mean, as a journalist. We, I write about people all the time and, you know, more often than not more often, but I'll say like 20% of the time they are upset about what you wrote about them. Although, <laughs> although, you know, you've had this conversation, it's on the record. They know what they're saying, but you know, just how it's laid out. They're not, they're not happy with it. And it's, it's actually one of the first, um, when I was at journalism school, I went to Columbia graduate school of journalism. And that was our first assignment to write about one of the, one of our classmates. Um, Mm. because our teacher wanted to show us just what the reaction, you know, what, what people can think. And so of course my classmate was upset about something I wrote, but it was a great (laughs) because it's kind of like, people are not going to like what you write about them, you know, more often than not. Um, because we are all interpreting stories differently because of course, because we're, we all have different backgrounds and different makeup. So whatever. So I try to be as forthcoming as possible and, you know, and I try to tell my truth and, and worry about that. Gotcha. And and so do you know if he's read the book? He told me that he did not. So I sent him the book six months before it came out because, again, I'm trying to be forthcoming. And he sent me a text the day before the book was released and just said, I wish you the best of luck. And no, I did not read it, but I really wish the best for you. And it just is a testament to the type of person that he is. Um, and our relationship, like we really respected each other. We really did love each other and, um, it just didn't work out. That's dope. Yeah. He's a great so, guy for somebody else. Who would you cast to play Adam in the movie adaptation of this book? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I had, I do, I don't know. I don't know. And, um, I really don't know. It's so funny because I want to say Kofi, you know, that guy, the actor from Queen Sugar. Oh, yeah, he's fine. Like, fine. But it's almost like he's almost like too fine. You know? <laughs> I need like a Lorenz Tate, maybe. <laughs> you know who I thought? I said Michael B. Jordan. He's fine, too. Yeah, he is. I need like, <laughs> I need like sort of a regular schmegler. And then, okay. like, I end up with Kofi, or like, I end up with Michael B. Jordan. You know? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know who like a regular schmegler is. Like, I don't know. I'm like, trying to think, and I can't think of because the only top of mind would come are the fine ones. So, right? Like you just, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Or oh, what about like Hill Harper? <laughs> Adrian Hill Harper is way too old. Number one. <laughs> 
I only said that because he was on this season of Homeland. So I was like, where the hell they dust Hill Harper off? But no, Hill Harper is way too early. Like he was clapping with Obama. Like he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like he's way too old. But like, I wonder like who is like I don't even know. Like I could see Nick Cannon if he wasn't so corny. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? Like a less corny Nick Cannon. That's fair. But I need somebody with swagger. I don't know. He has to be swagger, but not that cute. But like, you know, got I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, we'll think about that. So, who would you cast to play yourself? Gabrielle Union, hands down. Hands Gabby. Down. Yeah, I love Gabrielle Union. I think like I relate a lot to being Mary Jane. Um, not, Ditto. I, I think I'm a little bit smarter than Mary Jane, but. I, <laughs> But as a journalist and, you know, how she moved about the world, I do relate a lot to her. And I could see her playing that character. You know, I that, think that's fair. Yeah. Like little, and she's like a style that's similar to yours. Yeah, she's nice and be- beautiful brown skin. And I think Gabby would do it justice for sure. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I can get with that. But we still have to think about Adam, though. Because I'm claiming this. Like, the day you told me... You had a book deal. <laughs> My response back to you was, bitch, all I want is our passes to the movie premiere. That's that's the first thing I said. You did. You did. You know, God willing. God willing. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, it's funny, too, because when I was writing it, when I was writing this book, I knew the ending had to be hopeful because I wanted to give single women hope. And I remember, like, again, I was writing it in real time. I'm like, shoot, I don't, like, nothing is happening in my life to warrant an ending of this book. Like, should I go out? Should I just go out and party tonight? And then I'll just end it like that or, you know, whatever. And I just so happened to be in a wedding and I met a guy at the wedding. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect ending. You know, even. It was it was a good one. Yeah. Even if the relationship doesn't work out, like, you got to have a wedding in the movie version. So I was sort of writing it thinking about what the movie version would look like because you can't have a book called The Engagement Game and not have a wedding. Have a wedding. And you could do like that corny, like how they did in the first Best Man, like in the movie with everybody doing the electric slide and stuff. I I love that. I love... (laughs) They did that in that other wedding movie too with Angela Bassett and... um, Paula Patton. The broom. Yeah. <laughs> they were doing the electric slide at the end of that too, weren't I they? I love those like corny 90s black films. Like, Me too. My... Bring back the black movie ensemble cast. Yes. Can we bring back Love Jones and the the brothers? Was that a movie? Oh, no. The... That was. That was with um. Yeah. Morris Chestnut in them. Yes, the I feel like Morris Chestnut was in all of them. Yes, Him and Sonali. They were in every single movie. Like I love those movies. So if I could, you know, if my if the engagement game should become a movie, it would have to be in that sort of like. Okay, universe, you've received this. Yes, Lord. Do your work with it, Lord Jesus. <laughs> so it was one part. So I, while I was reading it, I like did some little doggy ears on a few pages Yay! of the book so and it was one that stood out to me in particular so i'm gonna read it really quick it's really short it's on page 260 oh my gosh and you said <laughs> so exciting. Like, the I'm truth not, is people rarely read my book so i just want to let you know that i'm very excited right now <laughs> oh yeah it's a little short passage Yay. 
But it says, the truth is I wasn't ready to be a wife. I definitely wasn't ready to get married to Adam. I was so busy asking Adam if he was ready to get married that I never really asked myself if I was ready. And I wasn't. The worst realization is that you're not ready for what you thought you deserved. And I said, whoo. Mm -hmm. That's a message right there. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it was kind of like, what was the biggest lesson? After I read that, I was kind of like, what was the biggest lesson you learned about yourself while you were playing the engagement game? Right. I mean, that that was a tough pill to swallow um, because I really tried hard. Like, I'm a type A personality, you know, usually at the top of my class, like, you know, I'm the type of person who's like, okay, I have to get a good job. Okay. I'm like, I'm gonna get the best job. I'm gonna reach all my goals. I'm very goal oriented. And so I just felt like this part, like I've reached, like I've reached all my goals, right? Like I've gotten the apartment, I've gotten the great job at ABC news. I've gotten whatever. And it's like, why can't I get this husband? It should be easy. And so when it wasn't coming easy to me, I felt like I was a failure personally um, because, you know, everything else in my life had come easy to me. And so one realization was that life is not going to happen like you want it to happen. It's just not. Even if you do That's true. everything, quote unquote, right. Like I did everything they told me to do. They said, go to college. I went to college. Get a good job. I got a good job. Pay your own bills. I'm doing it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, dad, I'm doing everything right. I'm not a whore. I don't cheat on my boyfriends. Like, I don't drink to get drunk. Like, I don't smoke. <laughs> why? Why am I being punished? You know, especially when you see, like, you know, the girls who just don't care getting, wow. you know, and I'm just like, dang, she been a whore. <laughs> and you're like, dang, did I did I keep it all together for for nothing? Like, should I have just been out there? Um, and so that was, that was tough. Just like life is just not going to happen, um, the way you want it to. And for me, um, I came to grips with that because that's tough, right? I came to grips with that. Because that is. I sort of relied on my faith to get me through that. Um, and so I came to understand the point of that because for me, I did not understand the point of life. Like, if I'm, if I'm not going to get out what I put in, what is the point of life, right? And so for mm. me, I had to really think about that. And I prayed to God about that a lot. And I relied on my faith a lot through this time. And God was just telling me like, yeah, you may want it for yourself and you may do everything right. The point is not for you to, to reap the rewards. The point, the point of it all is for you to trust me. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> that ain't what you told you know what I mean like I'm I'm you know and so that was hard it's like God is God was pretty much telling me like yes you can do everything right but are you still going to love me are you still going to trust me when it doesn't work out and that is what one of the biggest lessons was for me like am I still going to love God am I still going to trust God even when it doesn't go my way work um I got it and I said, I will, you know, I said, I will. And I sort of had to, to let go of the wheel, let go of trying to make this happen and trust that God had something better for me. And quite frankly, he did. Um, so that was one lesson. And then the second lesson was that I sort of had a, a problem with seeing myself through the lens of men. And I've said this in, the, in a lot mm. of interviews, 
Um, but essentially, as much as I thought I was cute and had it going on, I still put value. I based my value on how men saw me. Um, so if they thought I was girlfriend material, if they thought I was wife material, then I, I felt better about myself. Instead of saying, you know what, Joy, you got it going on regardless. Um, and so I had to unlearn a lot of that behavior um, and those thoughts and those assumptions that I made about myself um, and discover sort of the power that is already within me. I don't have to do anything extra. I don't have to cook engagement chicken. I don't have to wear makeup or not wear makeup. I don't have to look a certain way for somebody to love me. And that was that was hard because I'm, I'm a people pleaser and, and I want men to, you know, I want men to think I'm cute and I'm going I'm to do whatever it takes, you know. But, but every, a lot of people struggle with that, yeah. that that desire to be desirable. And yeah. you feel like in order to be desirable, you have to meet the needs and desires of other people. Right. So you are definitely not alone in that. Right. Um, so that was a, a, a pretty relatable message is that we're always constantly trying to be like, you know, what is it like? Um, like changing shape or changing form to fit who you want to be with. Yeah. I mean, I call it shape shifting in the book. Like, yes. Shape shifting. I was shape. I was the master shape shifter. Like you want a girl that know how to cook. Okay. I'm gonna try. You want a girl who doesn't wear makeup. I'm no makeup for me. Like I was just trying all these different things when the reality is the, the person who's going to really love me, um, is not going to require any of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I realize that now, I, you know, I, um, spoiler alert, I do meet a guy at the end of the book and I didn't write this in the book, but I tell you because you know you're my girlfriend. Oh, go on, give us the tea, give us the tea. <laughs> but, but essentially, you know, when he came and he was like, you know, step into me, he was like, you know, he was spinning his game, you know, as, as guys do. And I'm like, listen, I'm not really here for this. Like, I'm working on myself. I don't have time. Like, I have a lot of problems I'm working on right now. <laughs> and he was like, that's great. You know, what are they? I'm, you know, like I'm working on myself too. So he didn't even care that like I didn't have it all together. He didn't care that I wasn't my best self. He just wanted to to know me. And that was like, wow. And, and that's what I think the message, I think that's what God was trying to tell me. Like, you don't have to try any harder. Because mm. there's going to be a guy who knows all of your faults and still wants to love you. And that's where I am right now. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you, you mentioned, you know, your spirituality a couple times on the podcast today, and it's weaved throughout your book. Yeah. And the way I loved how you did it, because I've shared, I'm not a super religious person, but I am spiritual and I have faith and I believe, but I liked how you did it in the form of prayers. Right. Because most people pray. Right. Even when they pray, even when they don't think it's a prayer. And so I I think it was one where you were just like, you know, I had a new prayer. God surprised me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love that. Like, God surprised me. So simple. Right. And he always does. He always does. And sometimes you don't even know what to pray about. Um, Like, for me, I'm like you. Like, you know, spoiler alert, Adrian and I went to Bethel Christian School together. (laughs) (laughs) Like, knowing all all the scriptures and the books of the Bible, but I think, you know, as you know, we're sort of typical millennials in that, like, we, we're not going to judge people if they're atheists, but we believe in Jesus and, but we're not like strict religious people, if that makes sense. Right. Am I? Yeah. Like, for you? Okay. No, you're on, you're on spot on. Right. So, and I feel like 
for me, like my relationship with God is very personal. I'm, I call myself like a back row Christian, <laughs> you know, meaning like I, I get the word, but I don't need to be up front. I don't need to be seen. Um, I don't need to be doing the notes. Um, so for me, that prayer sort of proved, for, let me say this. Let me start again. You know, the prayer God surprised me was my way of telling God, I don't have any dog in this fight. I don't mm-hmm. know what I want, but I'm trusting in you to sort of give me what I need, you know? And so I'm like, God, just surprise me. Just sort of, I don't know what I, I don't know what to ask for. I don't even know what I need right now, but God, I know that you know. And so, um, yeah, like you said, I sort of weave prayers throughout the book because that's how I live my life. Like sometimes, you know, life gets hard. Especially when you're away from your family. I'm living in New York and working and and so at times you just need like a simple prayer to get you through the get you through the day. Um yeah. and that's how I live my life. Yeah. I, I like the simplicity in it and it was it was still meaningful. Right. Like it wasn't some dear Heavenly Father, we're gathered, you know. <laughs> Father God, Father God. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't need all of that, but I'm not knocking anybody who does need it. Oh, definitely. Some people do, but for me, I just, it's a very personal relationship and I just, you know, yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure if everyone listening knows, but you're definitely a PK (laughs) and like a super PK. Um, And so it's interesting because I think people might be shocked um, to hear that knowing, you know, how you grew up and who your mom is. Right. So are you going to tell people, Adrian? Um, I can. Yeah, sure. She's not her mama, the bishop, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, her mom's bishop, Bashtai McKenzie. So mm-hmm. she's, you know, her mom's dope. Yeah, Mama look good. I meant to tell you that after your signing in DC. Yeah, no, she's she's doing amazing and looking amazing, younger than ever. I can't wait to be her age because I know I'm gonna look good because she look good. Yeah, but no, she's yeah. great, and I think that like that's one of the reasons why I really sort of appreciate our her and I's relationship is because although my mom she don't act like me, like she really is like for real, for real, religious Christian woman. Very strict <laughs> about her doctrine and living life as Jesus did. But she let me sort of find my own relationship with, with Jesus and God and religion and spirituality. And she didn't force anything down our throats. And so a lot of people were like surprised, like, wow, you know, you talk about your sexuality or you talk about this and that. And it's like, yeah, I'm a full person. And I think because of how I was raised, um, she allowed me to to live my life out loud and to be a real person. I think, you know, I know a lot of PKs and they're sort of stunted. Emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I mean, we, you know, other PKs and I, we talk about it cause it is hard growing up when your parent is a pastor. I'm um, sure it really is hard. It's, it's a sacrifice for the entire family. Um, and so a lot of them are stunted because they're not even allowed to explore or question you know, what they're being taught. And I was allowed to explore and question. Um, and I think because of that, I've grown closer to Christ. Um, but 
Yeah, it's like um, my grandmother was not a bishop, but she was a deacon and she loved the Lord and she went to church. So I would appreciate that, too. I know it used to bother her because I think in college. Yeah, it was definitely in college. I took like intro to world religions and then Asian religions. And Lord, you would have thought I came home and said I was converting. Um, But she did allow me to have the freedom to kind of question things and explore things. So I think it's important, like even when like even when people are talking about my book, right? Um, mm-hmm. There was a question I got at a, a Q&A about like waiting for your Boaz. What do you think about that? And I, I really had no opinion because I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I don't believe, you know, Christian women should wait. I think they should prepare for, for their, their, their spouses. But my mother, after that Q&A, she was like, Joy, you should really read the book of Ruth and really read what that story of Boaz is telling us. Cause a lot of Christian women, they're like, I'm waiting for my Boaz. I'm done. And, and my mother encouraged me to read it. And so I did. And what I got from, have you, have you read this, this story? Adrian? No, I'm about to say we all got homework. Go read yeah, the book of Ruth. Very illuminating because, but you've heard like sort of the trope and like, yes, yes, yes. Like I'm waiting for, so I read it and I was like, this is not a love story for me. I read it and I'm like, this is not a sort of marriage that I would hold up as the, as the end all be all. It's, it's really a story. I think about, three women, you know, Naomi being Ruth's mother. Um, and she had two stepdaughters. Uh, listen, I'm getting way into the weeds, but I just, <laughs> cause I'm not, listen, I'm not, I'm not a bishop. So, but I would just encourage everyone to read it for themselves. Um, read the story for themselves. Cause I did not get a love story out of it. I got a story about women who had limited choices and sort of having to make a way. Um, so guys, I'm going to put this in the show notes on the website. Yeah. Um, this is a homework assignment. Read the book of Ruth because I'm going to do it now because now I'm, I'm curious about it. Yeah, we have to talk about it after you read it. But I, I read it and I'm like, this ain't no love story. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wrote, I read the the word um, interpretation. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, the message Bible. Okay. So the message Bible, that's the, the interpretation that I read. And I was like, this is not, because I hadn't read it before. I just, you know, I was like, okay, everyone's talking about Boaz waiting for him and he must be great. Honestly, he was like, "I'm an old, I'm an old guy. You're so young. You want me?" And then he like offered her to his cousin first child. You gotta read this. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna read this now. Uh, I'm gonna be on the train in the morning reading the Book of Ruth. Yeah, it's real short, but I'm like, okay. We we mm. like, but I'm saying that to say we as Christians need to question. We need to read it for ourselves. We can't just take secondary sources, even if there are pastors. Um, we need to look at the word ourselves. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I mentioned briefly <laughs> my grandmother, um, yes. who was our Girl Scout troop leader. Hey, Mrs. Hyman. Shout troop, out. Yeah, troop 990. <laughs> I don't even remember the troop number. I- I remember odd stuff, Joy. Like, my long-term memory is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. But, was but I was... I, I chuckled to myself because in the book, you did a little shout-out to Freddie Hyman. And um, all my life, and my grandmother made sure to tell all the young women in her life the saying that books and boys don't mix because books comes before boys. 
even, even in the dictionary. dictionary. <laughs> yes. it all the time. It stuck with me. It stuck with I me. thought that was great. Like that saying stuck with you. Yeah, it really did. And I think I felt like she was looking at me every time she said it. <laughs> like, listen here, little girl. But um, no, like at one point, I remember it. Like I, you know, I've been trying to write a book for like 10 years. It's been a while. And I remember my first book was all about like my dating escapades because I thought they were hilarious. I mean, I really have gone on some like crazy dates. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to name it Books Come Before Boys, even in the dictionary. And <laughs> because I was just sort of talking about my dating life in college. And I had, I had written about 200 pages and uh, it was on a flash drive because flash drives were popular back then. And it just, Ooh. and the flash drive broke. <gasps> Yep, I, I remember I was writing. I had traveled to St. Louis, Missouri, and I was in my hotel room writing, putting the little flash drive in, and the flash drive just broke off on the computer. Two hundred pages. Wow. And I felt like that was a sign from the Lord, like this ain't the book you're gonna write. And I'm glad too, because a lot of those stories that I that I had written are now in this book. So um, I forget what fake names I've given them. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes all right like don't incriminate yourself so but yeah the story of brian gary um those are all in the original book um so yeah anyone that i dated in college i sort of was in the original book yeah so the last thing i kind of want to talk about was somehow your book came up in my therapy session oh lord (laughs) (laughs) and um my therapist was like, oh, I'm going to go check out her book. So, look, I got another book sale. But <laughs> um, it came up because I had said in the book how you'd mentioned you had made a list of what you wanted in a mate. Right. And I had confessed to my therapist that I had never done that. I have not done that mm-hmm. as an adult. Yeah. That was my first time doing it. I was 29 years old. Okay, so I'm not never, far off. Like it's it's sort of crazy that like we all want a long term partner, right? But we don't even ever ask ourselves what we want. What do we want from this person? Yeah, or what what do we want that person to be? Right. And so I liked that you did that, and I think it. I hope I'm not confusing it, but you did a list too of like the type of relationship you wanted. And so now I have a homework assignment. All right. Where I have to make a list of what I want to me. So what tips? Would you give all the women out there right. who haven't done this or done it a, a, a really long time ago and they need to update it? So what tips would you do for this list? So before, I, I do think that, and so this was, again, like a part of the engagement game. Like my sister had suggested this to me because she, someone has, has suggested this to her. And she told me to write this list because, again, I had never asked myself what I wanted in a husband, but I claimed that I wanted a husband. And so I needed to make this list. And, for, and the list is not to sort of measure up anybody against, but it's sort of to clarify what you want. Um, and so for me, I literally, I, I didn't think too much into it, but I just wrote the first thing that came to mind. And l- the first thing on my list was tall, dark, and handsome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely need someone tall. So right. and I'm, that's kind of like a non-negotiable. Right. I'm like 5'10". So I, you know, that was the first thing on my list. But 
the second thing on my list was, you know, God fearing and, and loves God. And, you know, the follow, like the rest of the list included like has integrity, um, you know, is respectable, um, respects my family. Um, and so it was really general things, but it just sort of was like the person that I could get along with. Um, so there, there weren't things like, oh, he has to make $75,000 <laughs> because for me, you know, money can come and it can go. He can make that today and get fired tomorrow. Um, so I wanted sort of lasting qualities in a person that no matter what type of situation they, they may find themselves in, you know, this is the type of person that, that I would like to be with. And quite frankly, I, and this is so scary, but like my boyfriend is like the lid mm. and I did not, I did not approach him. He approached me like, so yeah. So, I mean, I made that list and quite frankly, my boyfriend is that lid and I had to look for him and nothing. He just popped out of nowhere. You know, manifestation is so real because we do. I'm thinking about that because I do a vision board every year. Do you? Okay. I do. And for the most part, a good amount of it, I can focus on. I can check off. Right. But now that I'm looking at like the relationship side that I do. (laughs) What do you put on there? I'm curious. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think I could probably do a bit better in being specific I think that you should and I think that's a problem a lot of professional women have like you're so worried about getting those goals like buying the house getting the good job going on the nice vacation but like we don't ever like put those that same energy um that same mental energy into our our future mates right like and I really feel like especially in this day and age when everyone's distracted like you have to put the same amount of energy you do in finding a job into finding spouse if you want and that's real because you know i'm looking at this joy and on one side i have like podcasts well look i launched the podcast this year i put the new name of my blog the boonie breakdown i changed the name of the blog this year and then i have very specific things about finance like the amount of money i want to reduce in debt this year how much money i want to (laughs) save and then i scroll over to my little relationship corner and it's like romance the new guy it just says romance that's it yeah i have romance the new guy i put love with a heart Mm -hmm. i have rihanna popping her thing (laughs) because we love rihanna yeah we love rihanna um but quite frankly like yeah i think we need to and this is funny this is something that i got from mara brockakill who is another one of my like faraway mentors but like, you know, she's obviously married to Salima Kill, and mm-hmm. they create amazing television shows that we that we consume. But she was just basically saying like she has never been. I think that for me, and I'm I could be assuming for you, but for me, I was sort of afraid to say what I wanted from a guy because mm. I felt like I would push him away, or maybe I'm moving too fast and telling him what I wanted. And I was reading an interview, and Mara was basically saying like, look. I trust my husband to the point where I'm willing to tell him exactly what I want from him. And I'm willing to trust that he loves me enough that he's going to give it to me. I'm like, Mm. that type of love I need. I need a love that, you know what I'm saying? Like that I can tell the guy exactly what I want. I could tell him, I want to get married soon. I want to have children soon. And that I'm going to trust him enough that he loves me enough that he's going to, he's going to want to give it to me. 
And I feel like a lot of us, we we want love, but I don't know if we trust ourselves to get that type of love. You know, the love that's going to give give us what we want. And so that's the love I'm I'm aiming for. A sort of love that says, listen, this is what I want. Can you give it to me? Yeah. And hopefully I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I tell people too that all the time, like, you know, you hear people say, oh, black men don't want to get married. And, you know, I can't really say that because of my friend circle. Right. Like my best guy friend, you guys know him on the blog, KG. He's married. Mm-hmm. And I can name five other black men who are in my circle. They're married. Here's the thing. I disagree with that. I think that's the narrative that is popular, like in popular culture, especially when we see like, you know, I listen, I watch, I love, you know, loving hip hop. Everybody. <laughs> Me too. You know, so it's like, but for my job at ABC News, like I interview a lot of men who have just gotten engaged or just gotten married. And I always, you know, sort of selfishly ask them, like, you know, what's the best part or were you looking forward to this? And I want to say 90% of the time, the men are so expressive. They're so, mm. like, I couldn't wait to marry her. I knew from the moment I saw her. More so than the women, usually. It's weird. Um, and that could just be, like, maybe they're just more comfortable opening up to a stranger. But, like, it's just interesting to hear. And I, I interview thousands of men probably a year. And all, mostly all of them are so expressive, so in love, cannot wait to be married, or just so excited that they're married. And so it's sort of, it's counter to what we are told that, hey, men don't want to get married. We're dragging them to the altar. But no, I've talked to so many men who can't wait to do it or who love, like they're so in love with the idea. And so I think, I don't know what that is attributed to. I think a lot of times maybe, you know, men and their masculinity, it's policed. And so maybe they're not going to scream it in the same way that we're going to scream it. But Mm. um, but yeah, men want to get married just as much as we do. They don't want to be alone. They don't want to do their laundry by themselves all the time. They want, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. I don't want black Twitter to come for me talking about. Like, we here she go. <laughs> Listen, I know I'm joking, guys. But but what I'm saying is that like you know men also want a relationship. It's it's beneficial. It really is. It is. Yeah. And especially like you know. You hear all the studies that say men who are married are more successful than men who are not married. Right. That could be true. But I also think that, like, our society, like, benefits people who are in marriages. Oh, for sure. You know, they get tax breaks. (laughs) Uh, Healthcare is a lot easier for them. um, Healthcare coverage. And so there are a lot of benefits um, socially to getting married. And they're also very emotional benefits, obviously, as well. Um, and physical, you know, physical benefits, you know, getting sex on the regular shore. But um, yeah, men want to get married just as bad as we do. They just may not say it in the way that we do. Um, but they huh, do. Dif- different, different languages. Yeah, for sure. I like it. Yeah. Well, Joy, this has been fun. Yay. Oh, everybody i see that's why you wrote a book about it yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> but you're so good and again i'm just so so proud of you thank you congrats i finished the book in like two days people yeah can you tell me like what you honestly thought of the book for real i thought it was good I, you know i'll be honest i was actually pretty skeptical <laughs> 
yes, because <laughs> not of your your <laughs> your ability, but I'm just nervous because I'm not one of those people. Like marriage actually terrifies me in a way that I kind of avoid it, which is why I'm in therapy. Um, but I think that I was like, oh, I didn't know what to expect. Right. Like I didn't know if it was gonna be sappy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not so. That it's not but as I was reading it um which now I get when people say they read the blog they read it in my voice that's how I read it like the book I heard you reading it to me since I knew you but I felt like some of the situations were so relatable like oh my god I had that conversation with Ashley or I had that conversation with this friend right so it wasn't like I think that's why I was able to get through it so fast because (laughs) I have a pile of books on my nightstand that I've started and stopped and started and stopped. So, right. I hate a boring book. I didn't want to write a boring book. That's for sure. You definitely didn't. Yay. Thank you, girlfriend. Oh, it has Booney stamp of approval. Yay. Y'all heard that. So go out and buy this book. <laughs> so tell them where they can buy it, where they can find you on social media. So, yeah. So um, you can find all of my information on my website, joymarie.com. That's J-O-I, Marie.com. Um, but I'm DC Fab on Twitter, Joy Marie McKenzie on Facebook, um, DC Fab on Instagram. And yeah, please buy my book, you guys. It's my very first one, and I'm very excited about it and very nervous as well. But I do think that it's like a book for women, especially um, women who are sort of in stuck spaces and, and don't know if they should continue their relationship or not. So um, and I know a few of y'all like that. So y'all need to go buy it. Yeah. Yes, I'm talking to you. And I'm going to just tell you, like, I'm going to gloat on my friend for a bit because this bitch is bad. Like, <laughs> whose first book is a hardcover book? Like, <laughs> like I'm going to gloat for you. That's what's up. Yeah, it's it's a blessing. Like, it's a blessing. And how it happened, just because, like, I didn't even, I didn't pitch publishers. I didn't have, like, a formal pitch. Uh, it just sort of really fell in my lap. And that's how I know, like, God really wanted me to tell this story. Um, he he need, I, I really believe that. Like, I didn't have, this was, like, super, it was too easy. It was eerily easy um, how the book deal happened. And so I, that's how I know that God really wanted me to share my story. And I hope um, I'm only comfortable sharing my story because I don't talk about my business at all on social media. <laughs> I, barely, I, I post, like, two pictures of my boyfriend. Like, I'm very private, but... I opened up because I knew, at least I hoped it would help women. Um, I think it will. Yeah. At least know that they are not alone. So. Yeah, for sure. Joy, thanks again for doing this. Of course. I had a great time. Me too. Go buy her book, joymarie.com. And um, stay on because now I'm going to tell you how you can win an autographed copy of the book. But still go buy it. Cause we need, we need sales <laughs> beyond the sales. Like we need more real stories of black women out there. Like we don't get to tell yes. our stories. We are hidden figures for real, for real. And I feel like we need to tell our own stories and, and support each other in doing that for sure. And control our narrative. For so sure. yes. Yeah. Love it. All right. Thanks, Joy. Thank you, Adrian. All right, guys, I really hope you enjoyed the podcast with author and my homie, Joy Marie McKenzie. Remember, you can buy her book at joymarie.com. That's joy with an I. And now for the giveaway. It's simple. 
Just be sure to visit thebunnybreakdown.com for more details on how you can win an autographed copy of the engagement game. But you will need to follow us on Instagram and sign up our, for our newsletter to be entered. That's it. Simple, right? One winner will be chosen at random. Again, thanks to Joy for joining me. Thank you for listening. And until next time. <music>